Oh, geez. <laughs> Liz is on, by the way. <laughs> oh, oh, nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is I can't see. <laughs> I can see you if I look out my mouth. <laughs> That's amazing. That is awesome. So I think that does a good job of introducing what we're talking about today, which is masking which is different than the masking that we're used to <laughs> or covering. Um, it's also termed as. <laughs> you can't stay in your mask the entire time. No. <laughs> you won't be able to do it. <laughs> I'm stuck in my mask. <laughs> Oh, that might be a powerful analogy when you get stuck in the mask oh. that, you, that you've constructed for yourself at work or at home. That is, uh, that's a good analogy, I think. Yeah. Kate, you look beautiful. It's no fair. <laughs> <laughs> I um, normally do not show up for these things in any sort of makeup. <laughs> so I thought I would introduce what we're talking about today um, by the fact that I am wearing makeup and that my hair is straight um, in my own form of covering or masking. Um, so shall I, shall we kick off? Please. Um, do you want to do an intro really quick? I'm Kate Marib, Kate Marib Coaching. Gwen, you go. Gwen Sandifer, Loud Minds. Liz McLean Williams, Horizon Coaching and Consulting. And this is Instigating Women Friends. And I'm very excited. Um, so what are what is covering or masking? I have a definition. Um, this is from the Catalyst Group. Um, so people in groups cover or mask because they believe they need to do, they need in order to feel included at work. They need to in order to feel included at work, to fit into the prevailing social norms and to avoid potential stigma people minimize differences with their coworkers. So mm -hmm. for me, I used to come to work very fancy every single day, full hair, full makeup. I used to work in Arizona, full heels, full heels. Yeah. Full heels. I think my feet can complain about that now. Um, when I moved to Oregon, it, it got a little different because everyone was, it was rainy and mascara would run and, um, I still straighten my hair every day, but, um, but I began to fit in with the more prevalent social norms. So the, the flannel I'm looking at Liz right now, the flannel became more in my, um, in my wardrobe. And I just noticed that now that I'm in Northern California, um, and working from home, I've adopted more of the own natural look where I'll do my hair, but I won't do any makeup any day. But um, just my my experience with covering. Um, what about your guys's? I remember the first time that I became an executive. Mm -hmm. um, 
in HR, but the first time that I was actually leading the entire function of HR, I had such deep imposter syndrome that I did not feel that I could show up as myself or I would be found out. And so there was this woman that I really admired. Um, she was very polished, um, always wore a suit and a skirt, like a pencil skirt. And that was kind of her signature, like J, J. Crew slash Ann Taylor. And my dogs are greeting someone. Um, and so I just adopted her style 100%. I went and got the same necklaces that she wore. I went to Ann Taylor and got everything that I imagined that this woman, Maggie, would wear. And I started wearing them. And then <laughs> there was a board meeting. And I had gone home and come back for the board meeting. And I was wearing one of my new suits. And she came up behind me and she's like, oh my gosh, I love your suit. And then she started laughing. And I was like, what, what? So apparently there's a thing that's called a kick flap. <laughs> yeah. You familiar with this? Yes. I, that wasn't a term that I was aware of in my life. And uh, it was still sewn shut. And she was so loving. She wasn't being mean. She wasn't being mean. She went and got some scissors and cut my kick, kick flap for me. And it was such a moment of me realizing, like, first I felt just ashamed because I had not been successful at adopting this more professional persona. And then it just became hilarious to me. Like it, it became the gateway for myself to just give myself permission to show up and let my brain do the talking and not worry about whether I was fitting the look. Yeah. Um, so that's my masking story. And I, I've thought about this since we talked about this possible topic earlier in the week. And, and I think I'm on the opposite end. Honestly, I remember when I was brand new, just after my master's program at work, and I did take the time to buy a few nice suits Had no money, no freaking money, but thought I need to look the part. And this sister, she, I worked at a Catholic health system, kept kind of whispering behind my back when I would walk by. And so finally I asked the, one of the executive assistants, what is she saying? And she said, she's calling you a clothes horse behind your back. And I went, oh. and so then I thought like, Liz, I'm just going to wear what I would wear. And, um, every coach that I had then would advise me on my lack of conservative dress. So it kind of went the other direction where, because I went outside the norm, <laughs> I was coachable or needed coaching severely. Now I will say, um, I've always had this affinity for Halloween and for events and entertainment. And, and you know, I, I like people to have a good time at work. Um, so there were times where Halloween time, uh, big meetings, I would wear all black dress, conservative, but I'd have little 
Halloween tights on. Um, or if we'd have a big event for team building and it was around this time, I'd show up in Halloween costume and, and most people liked it. But again, other people were like, mm, you know, that's not very appropriate. So it can go both ways. I think, well, I think that's really true that it can go both ways. Sorry, Kate. I was just going to say like, there's a fine line because you, you don't want people to be so um so casual that they're actually bringing in stuff that doesn't belong at work and at the other and on the other side of that we need to be able we spend so much time at work we need to be able to show up as our authentic selves as much as possible um and that that can be really hard especially during this pandemic time where you look at a lot of the um, leadership groups that are being pressured to just keep sucking it up, keep putting on a good face, keep, you know, do the same or more with less, but not let people into the fact that, that it's really starting to impact our coping and our resilience. Mm -hmm. um, so what were you going to say, Kate? I would mention that the um, what Gwen was describing is the system requesting covering, requesting that in order to fit in here, you can't be X or you can't be Y. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, what strikes me that is different from 10 years ago when um, before I started curling my hair and letting things just go, I guess, is um, it's even more important with gender identity these days because we have so many generations in the workforce that, you know, the, the stereotype of the older um, cisgendered white man just being really frustrated with pronouns and being like, why do we got to talk about pronouns again? And why can't I just use their name? I was I was skiing in February with a with a gentleman who um, was like, why can't I just use their names? Like, why do I have to use their, and he's an incredibly successful business businessman and skied down the slopes a couple of times. And, and I was like, this is why it matters. Cause I've been thinking about it. Like, why does he have to use they um, and, and respect that? And the, um, the I, the thing that I I that occurred to me was well you want to use their pronouns whatever their respective pronouns are and you want to have you know acceptance of their gender identity because then they don't have to worry about making you comfortable with them and you can get the full value of them being on your team because doesn't as a successful businessman don't you care about that and if they're so busy fitting in and making it right then they're not they don't have as much energy for the work mm -hmm. yeah it's part of their identity mm -hmm. that's really uh, that's really thought-provoking when you think about what mask we're asking people to put on it's a white white patriarchal white mask yeah. and you know, in my position as a, when I'm consulting, 
I'm the person asking the people to put the mask on. So like, how do you, you know, how do you change that? How do you push back on whether it's the dress code or um, the language, the shared language that's acceptable to use in meetings or talking about projects? Um, yeah, that's, you've got me thinking. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, and I keep thinking it's it's masks and it's dress. Um, I would always like to wear normal business normal attire when I would go out to physician practices as part of the business to really have better collegial relationships. But again, I heard not dressing professionally. Um, we had one president of a hospital who wanted all of the administrators if we went up on a clinical floor wear the white jacket, uh, white lab coat um, to to make sure people knew that that we did have you know a presence there. We fit in. And I was like, that doesn't make sense to me. Those white lab coats are generally reserved for doctors and clinicians. And <laughs> yeah, so how confusing would that be? Um, so it's just interesting, even in a patriarchal medical um, model, there's a lot of discussion and debate about what to wear, what you're communicating. Well, the Catalyst um, infographic also has um, who, who does mask. And you'll, um, you'll be curious to find out that 45% of straight white men cover or mask. Mm. So it's a universal sense of how do I belong in this group? How do I get to be a part of the in-group? Mm -hmm. I believe Which that. I fascinating. Um, and I wonder what a world would look like if we didn't have to wonder if we belonged, if we just did. Well... <laughs> I think I've tried and what happens is those that aren't on board with that do try to excommunicate you because you're not trying to fit into whatever community or whatever group and it's uncomfortable for them. But I do believe the statistic, I think I've heard 50 to 70% of men have imposter syndrome that goes along with that. When you have imposter syndrome, you try to mask something. Yeah, Go ahead. great genius Brene talks about the, the idea of belonging, right? And the, and the currency of um, belonging and having that be conditional, um, the fit in fitting in versus belonging, right? And putting the mask on allows you to fit in and belonging is truly to getting to show up as yourself and be accepted. And, you know, one of the things, the two things that come to my mind that we can do are create our own tables. You know, if you think about having a seat at the table, feeling really conditional based on whether you can successfully mask, we create tables where you're actually allowed to show up in a vulnerable way. And I think as coaches, we I have a um, a white male client right now who 
you know, I'm every week I'm introducing language to our coaching discussion that is around vulnerability and shame and, you know, creating your own internal compass. And it's, he's super into it, but it's very uncomfortable and it's very novel for him. And so I think that like, those are the things that we can do is like, be the people to give everyone permission, but also impact the systems that we're a part of. You know, I'm just, I'm thinking about myself in my consulting role and how I can, I can question those norms and those conditions for people belonging. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's good. And, and I'll just keep going um, along a train of thought. I have, um, after reading a book um, called Talking to Strangers this week by Malcolm Gladwell, don't know if the two of you have read it, but um okay even going beyond the mask, you know, mental mask that we think we're putting on, you know, they've proven that we all think we have the same expressions, spatial expressions. We all think even just in the Western world or even in different cultures locally, everyone has same self facial expressions. And we try to read those expressions around the table and on zoom and in a meeting. Um, they're proving that no, in fact, the person, as they've researched, um, may think they showed shock or may think they showed anger after in research. And um, they only really show up maybe 10 to 20% impact of that facial expression they believe they're showing. And only half the time is that the expression you would think. Um, so that really was interesting to me because I know whether as leaders or as coaches, we've been taught to, you know, read that body language, read that expression. And um, they're showing judges, policemen, leaders, um, politicians just fail insufferably at actually doing that. And it's better to have a computer look at the record of someone to know um, if they can, can deal with being let out of jail for a period of time and show back up or resumes, you know, interviewing people better not to see them at all and look at their paper wow. or, or interview them on the phone to get a much more um, authentic read on what that person is thinking and feeling. And I was like, holy crap, you know, it's, it goes even beyond the, here's how I think I want to show up today. It's the subliminal. That is so fascinating. Yeah. I propose to talk more in our next recording about showing up mm -hmm. and how we like manage ourselves showing up in different forums. Yeah, sounds good. I agree. I agree. Well, thank you for this. Yeah. So what are we getting from this today? We don't know what the heck we're supposed to do to show up. <laughs> no, I think so. <laughs> oh, geez. Can't, can't. I know what I'm doing. What are you I'm doing? Gonna, I'm going to try to impact the dress code where I where I consult. Thank you. I would appreciate that. That's my many. plan. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say how do we make this uh, dress code more welcoming, more equitable, uh, more honoring of diverse uh, ways of being. Awesome. Thank you. Go get them, Liz. <laughs> I would agree with that. And I would probably close with um, anchoring on what you said, Gwen, the, the idea of belonging is more 
easy when we are blind, mm-hmm. when we are not judging, mm-hmm. when we have less to go on than uh, than what our eye tells us. Mm-hmm. And I'll just lean in there and say, we really do need to remember everyone, most everyone that we're around at work is a stranger. We really don't know these people very well. We really haven't been to their home and broken bread on a regular basis to really understand what little expressions they might have or what they might be thinking. And and so we really need to regard everyone as, you know, with curiosity, you know, what might they be thinking and ask rather than assuming. Cool. Well, have a happy Halloween weekend, everybody. You too. See you. Bye. Bye.